Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show, where we aim to touch, move, and inspire you every single week. Really? We're really going to introduce our own show? Maybe we should leave it to the pro. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. One second, ladies. Here we go. Sarah Maxwell and Natalie Cook are experts in visualization and deliberate use of the law of attraction. As dynamic world athletes representing Canada and Australia in beach volleyball, they honed in on achievement at the highest level. Winning an Olympic gold medal on her home beach of Bondi is a pinnacle example. Their powerful techniques transmute the spiritual to the tangible, allowing thousands of their community members to bring their vision boards to life. Recently, they've taken their expertise on the road as the full-time family, where they inspire, coach, and lead people to create their unique, deliberate family life using a simplified three-step process. Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show. Join us for twice-weekly episodes. Each week, Nat and Sarah will teach us how to deliberately create results in all areas of life using their unique three-step process. Not only that, they'll also sit down with some of their favorite high achievers who have manifested what most merely dream about. Are you a member of the community? Go to bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal to follow along with each workshop style teaching episode and get ready to take action on your inspirations. Today, we continue the conversation with a social entrepreneur, one who likes to push the boundaries, test the validity of the rules, and be a non-conformist. And she's from Switzerland. Apparently, that's possible. (laughs) This woman eats contrast for breakfast. One minute, she's dressed up for a speaking engagement in Sydney CBD, and the next, she's riding her motorbike through a dirt road in Turkey. (laughs) Yes, she's like, what's my life? Francisca Izelli's jump into entrepreneurship began in 2008 with a phone call from her brother Reto in Switzerland, where he had to break the terrible news that their 58-year-old father had suddenly passed away from a heart attack. She broke down. As she began walking the cliffs of the northern beaches, the question that kept visiting her was, if I was to die right now, would I be happy with my life? She had to confess that, no, I can do better than this. I can make a bigger impact. So she quit her career in advertising and started her current company, Basic Bananas, which is small business marketing made simple. Her main purpose in life is to have an impact, add value, and make people smile. Whether it's her Ripple Effectors brand or her new inspiration, Moments of Humanity, or her upcoming book launching early next year on courage, this girl continues to challenge the status quo and somehow manages to be a nonconformist who fits in. So thanks, Francisca, for taking some time out of your day to share the adventures that make up your life so far. Woohoo! Let's go. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for having me. I know we we started. We we couldn't even press the record button before so much stuff was happening. So we just we did. And I love how we're already going into the contrast. You know, in the beginning of of this introduction, you had me smiling, and then you had me almost in tears, and now I'm smiling again. It's it's you know all contrast. I love it. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, eh? Because and I get that feel from you. I love being able to even um, watch your brand. It really does reflect you. I was able to really get a sense of you visually, but emotionally as well and how you shared. So, um, you know, you were at a piano, then you were the motorbike, and then, you know, the power suit in the city, 
I was like, okay, okay. So I do want to start with this obvious conundrum in that you are nonconformist Swiss passport holder. I've just been living in your native land for the past 12 months. So to me, this is freaking hilarious. <laughs> so I need some insight. So give me a little glimpse into how you began seeing that the rules are a construct rather than a have to. Yeah, you know, it's obviously you have just lived in Switzerland and, and I love Switzerland. You love it too. It's beautiful. People are polite. They're kind. They're amazing. They, they stay in their lane. It, it's a very... It is a very rules-driven people, but it's sort of self-inflicted rules more than anything. I mean, Australia is very rules-driven, probably even more so, but people here ignore them. In Switzerland, it's a lot of... <laughs> getting myself. In Switzerland, it's a lot of self-inflicted rules that are, I believe, often coming from fear. And it, it, Switzerland is obviously, it's very, it's a very old country. So it's the very, we have this village mentality still which is also cool in certain ways where you know you go to the bakery and then you go to the butchery and then you go to the cheese place and you go to all these different we, i said to one of my girlfriends the other day i said i've never seen a mole until i moved to costa rica when i was 16 we didn't have that in switzerland it was very village but it also means that everyone knows who everyone is and everyone seems to be worried about what other people are thinking because what's the neighbor thinking i'm doing this oh my god what is he thinking what is he saying it's it's very much driven by that fear i believe and so you know growing up i always thought why are we so worried about what everyone else is thinking and i started to question a lot of just this fear and and my mom was always the professional or still is quite the professional of oh my god you can't wear this what are they going to say or what you know, don't do this or you know because i'm very i love pushing it and even when i'm with her i love pushing it and i love saying the wrong things and people react to it and she's always like oh my god you can't say this but then in her heart i think she's smiling because people do love it when you push it a bit and you're playful and i remember i i just never took things at face value and probably one of the earlier memories that I have from that is I remember I came home from school and then my mom was grumpy for some reason and I said hey I was a kid and I said can I go play with my best friend Flavia at her house and then she just said no and I just uh, she she actually recalled this story she, she she told me this story when I was writing my book because I was looking into the past a bit and she said I was this little girl and I just said to her mom why not do you have a specific reason it wasn't a tantrum it wasn't it was very pragmatic do you have a specific reason you know what's this rule suddenly like i can't go and then my mom stopped and she said hmm no actually i don't have a reason hmm. i she realized that she just said no because she was having a bad day and that was you know just the first story that i do remember now because she told me this story that you don't need to take everything at face value you know you can't question people and rules and things that we think that are normal and and push it a little bit and you can be still pragmatic about it and I've always enjoyed and I still do now I love observing people's behaviors and reactions and you know I think I told you this one story when I was in high school one of my best friends Madeline and I we got her dressed up in this we wanted to basically observe people's random behaviors to how you look and so we went into the city Bern the capital where I grew up nearby and we dressed her up first super fancy in a in a gown that you would definitely not wear in the streets in the middle of the day <laughs> and high heels and she just walked through the city and she was pretending to be a bit crazy and i would just observe people how they like people just would stop and stare at her swiss people are very good at staring did you notice that uh yeah yeah they stare yeah. Big they time. Do. and there are no apologies about that either no they they don't even it's not a it's not it's not 
mean they don't it's not mean it's just they can't help it especially for you because you didn't speak the language probably you spoke english i assume so if you are in switzerland and you speak english i go sometimes obviously with my friends from here and i go into a supermarket and i speak english to them and everyone stares because <laughs> it's like what is this like it's different language so so people just stare so when of course when we dressed her up my, everyone was staring and it was just interesting to see how people are a little bit shocked by because it's such a, you know, the, we have smaller towns. Here, if somebody dresses up in a nightgown and high heels, it's whatever, it doesn't matter, you know, I think. But yeah, it would, it would be okay in Sydney. They would think that was normal. Yeah, yeah, and it would be okay in Amsterdam, and, you know, it would be okay in different places, but in Switzerland, it's like, people stare. So I've always enjoyed pushing it a little bit and getting people a little bit out of their comfort zone because it makes them also think. I'm so glad you're giving me this, reasoning because i did not get that link about small towns everybody's in your business wanting to know what's up the protection of that like maybe not really wanting to tell everybody what you're up to and i i didn't see that actually because i don't have that history of living there um though i experienced the thing you said about fear and aussies is so great because the rules there's a lot of rules here as well and i'm canadian originally so lots of rules for us but I felt, I never felt so rebellious as I did in Switzerland because Swiss people that I was with never even contemplated getting on the tram for one stop without a ticket. But like this girl I was with, it was like, honestly, I don't even think that option entered her mind. What's, what's that about? No, well, but that's another value. So Swiss, I think Swiss people have very deep principles. We are very, and I see this now in my life. I, I have my values system now is so ingrained i have to live by it or i feel completely off it's crazy we are very values driven people which is actually really cool this is also why Swiss people are really loyal people it's hard to make friends you might have noticed but once that once you i always say swiss are like coconuts we're really hard on the outside once you get into a swiss they will have your back through everything they are your most loyal people. It's 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 a value, and so one of the values is honesty. Swiss people are so honest, and you would have seen this too. We have all these honesty systems still now. You know, you have these. You go anywhere into some villages sometimes, and there's like a farm that has a little shed where you can get fruit and flowers and vegetables, and you go and pick it up, and then you just it says how much you should leave behind, how much money, and there's a little till, and you put your money in. You can cheat. Of course, you can take the strawberries and not pay a cent. Nobody would ever notice it. But, generally- but nobody does. No. I know. And that, that is what I love the most was it made me rise to a deeper level of my own principle because I think that it's interesting how small little moments of breaches of integrity I think lead to big events. I don't really believe that anybody sets out in the morning to do something devastating but there's a, a book about the guy who um, with Enron or something like that, he went to school with him. And of course he did something devastating in the end, but he said, you know, the walk off the path begins with one step. Yes. Isn't it? Oh like- I love that you bring this up. I had this huge discussion on the weekend with one of our friends about this is a slippery slope. This guy, one of my friends, he said, hey, a little white lie every now and then. It's cool. Because I said, hey, do you do white lies? Because I had to tell somebody that I didn't want to go out with them. But I didn't want to lie. So I was going to say, hey, I'm not interested. And then he's like, no, just say a white lie. Just say you're busy. 
And Australians are very good at this, the white lies. And then I said, yeah, but it's a slippery slope. I say one white lie and then it's normal and then I make it bigger and then I make it bigger and then I make it bigger and it's a slippery slope until you're just only lying and it's not cool. But here it's, you know, in some cultures you just do white lies all day long. Yes, and, <laughs> and it's normalized. And oh man, we are just talking about lots of other things. However, I do think this is important because it's the fabric of who we are. And, and I think that ultimately it's like, Switzerland has that exposure, like there's an exposure there of um, the slippery slope. Yeah, you just see yourself. And I actually would say to people, you know, it's really calling at me to be more honest. I never would have said I'm not honest, but there was another level. And it called me to like a cleanness, like a, a sense of like integrity that was very cool. And you know, like I, I think we should do a challenge even for our listeners here, because I, I'm the most honest, most blunt person you will ever meet, but I have white lies. You know, like I catch myself sometimes saying a little white lie. Oh, what are you doing Saturday? Do you want to hang out? Oh, I'm going to yoga. And then maybe I don't go to yoga. You know, like, and I maybe already knew it. So it was obviously I was doing a white lie. Yeah. Or the other day I was meant to go somewhere. And then the guy said, oh, did you go to the beach meditation in the morning? And I said, oh, no, I had a sleepover in the city. I didn't have a sleepover in the city. Hopefully he's not listening. <laughs> Yeah, right. And they're all these little ones. Like it's, I, I caught myself. I'm like, why am I not just saying, no, I didn't feel like going. Like what's, you know, why, why? Oh, because I, you know why? Because we're scared to, well, I'm scared to disappoint to people. Yeah, I, I was getting that from my little ones. I do. And I tend to promise little things that I actually can't keep up with. And I have a friend who high integrity and she's like, she said to me, do you want to know the impact of that little yeah. that little moment yeah. and I it was so great because she goes this is not a morality issue this is not moral I just want to tell you my experience on the other end mm -hmm. and it was me promising to bring a piece of chocolate cake that mm -hmm. we had made together with my daughter mm -hmm. so okay it seemed little in the scheme and you know what I had so many justifications for why I didn't bring it in the end I was being a bit of a victim about that like a martyr like if only she knew what my life was like but why mm -hmm. she, what she shared with me with no morality was just about how she was going to have a snack earlier. And then, you know, it's like, no, but Sarah's bringing me that piece of cake. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, potentially could like leave her hungry. And there wasn't, I'm not wrong for not doing it. She just wanted me to see that those little, the little threads do have an impact. And you know what? It's not, I think white lies are not malicious. And, and my friend, the one I had the discussion with, he, he basically said, it's not necessarily lying. Sometimes you just leave out information to not hurt people. And I think there is a fine line between, okay, you might leave out, let's say, you know, your ex-boyfriend is asking you, hey, are you going out tomorrow? But you're actually going on a date. And then if you just say, if you say to your ex-boyfriend, oh yeah, I'm, and he's maybe hurt still, so you say, yeah, I'm going on a date. That's probably quite hurtful. But if you just say, yeah, I'm going out, you know, you maybe don't need to say who with. And then, they, but this is my morality. Sometimes I'm thinking, okay, where am I now starting to lie? But I do see that there is a bit of a difference where you just don't, you don't need to almost hurt people by saying everything, but maybe you just don't lie. You know, I'm still going out. You yeah, can you just say, do you know what I think? Even the whole process is worth it. I love that you said, let's throw it out to the listeners because what if you just take yourself on? You literally ask yourself, 
why am I doing that? Why am I saying that? Or why am I even leaving that out? So it's not like you're wrong for doing it. It's like, why am I doing that? Oh, I don't want to hurt people. Gosh, where does that operate my life? What else, what else am I not doing in order that other people think I'm great or, or I don't want to look bad? You know, that's a big one too. Looking good and not looking bad. Yeah. I think it's the, you know, it does come back to what's the motivation behind it, you know, leaving out some information to not hurt your, your ex-boyfriend, I think it's not necessarily, or ex-partner, it's not probably because you don't want to look bad. It might be to protect him or her, yes. and I think that's okay. But I think we should do a challenge with our listeners and just say, hey, how about for the next, next 30 days, and you and I do it too, let's try to not do these little white lies. And oh, see, like it. Let's just try. It is a habit. It, I do think it's a habit. Like brushing teeth, it's a habit. It's a habit, right? I know. I love it. We're, I'm going to call it no, you're, you're the brander. How am I, I'm not branding this because I was going to call it this, um, you know, that thing like the Swiss sieve, like it's like nothing gets through, um, but I need a better name. <laughs> well, well, we can trademark, I'll think about it and then we trademark. Yeah, you, you think about it. Yeah, and then we make a course for it. We'll sell it on the next podcast. <laughs> you're awesome. <laughs> Did you notice that everyone, this entrepreneur who decided on the beaches that she would actually take herself on and create a company. <laughs> but I am curious, before that, you clearly made your trip to Australia. So you were like, you're in Switzerland, you come over to Australia, like you're a pusher of limits. Like you, you said that, you were, you were doing it to your mom, your poor innocent mom from the village early on. <laughs> but how have you been received down under with this kind of natural way of being to push the limits? You know, I think, with Australia, I, I, I connect. People here are definitely pushing the limits way harder than in Switzerland. And, and really how I ended up in this country is because when I was 16, I mentioned earlier, when I was 16, I, I went to Costa Rica for a year to do an exchange here. And by the way, that took the Swissness out of me like no other country because, you know, up until then I'm Swiss, I'm hardworking, I follow sort of the rules but I always knew how to play the teachers and all that so uh, but I was I was a bit of a teacher's pet but because I knew how to play them more than you know you know what I mean so so I was but I was you know I was working hard and studying hard and best grades in school then I went to Costa Rica and if my dad was still here and he would use Swiss words he would say that fucked her up <laughs> <laughs> yeah right this is the only time we'll swear here so because you can, you can swear because suddenly i was opened up to different cultures that are loose you know like compare latin america central america to switzerland it's like loose and people are loose and it's awesome and i was like oh my god this is awesome but then i met the loosest people that i have ever met in my whole life up until then and now I'm, i've met south africans they're like my tribe they're so loose <laughs> so, so who did i meet in costa rica at age 16 all these other students from all around the world, but who did I, of course, gravitate towards and hang out with? My best friends back then, Australians. They were two years older. They were 18. I was 16. I don't know why they let us go so young from Switzerland. I think it's crazy, you know. <laughs> but the Australians, they were the crazy ones. It's like, wow, this, this is my tribe. And they always pushed every rule. They, they ignored every rule. They pushed it. They pushed it hard. I'm like, wow, this is cool. So one of my best friends back then, when I was living there, she was Australian, Karen Greenless, we're still friends now. And I, she told me that actually now. She said, when I met her, I said to her, you know what, when I'm older, when I grow up, I will be Australian. 
and I don't remember that conversation, but she said that's what I said to her. And then when I was, I went back to Switzerland, of course, you know, finished my degrees, went to university, etc. And then when I was in, at university, I got a scholarship to go. I, I just wanted to go somewhere again. And I thought, where should I go? And I thought, you know what? Australia would be cool. I've never been there. I remember these crazy people. I think I would connect with them. So then I got a scholarship to go to Sydney University for a year when I was 22, 23. And I just got stuck here. And I think Australians are very, they, they like pushing it. It's obviously a big generalization, but culturally, people here take risks. And you know what? I've been thinking about also why. You know, why just now, because my business that you mentioned before, one of my companies, Basic Bananas, we run marketing programs in Australia, in, in Canada, in the US, and now in Switzerland, only new. And I was just in Switzerland now working with our businesses that we mentor marketing strategy just in a few months ago and I was seeing that in Australia the businesses here again generalization are hustling quite a lot harder than in Switzerland and I was talking to the Swiss people and I was wondering why are they not hustling that hard no there was one woman she makes this beautiful product and she's not really pushing it and I said why are you not pushing it you know why are you not implementing why are you not selling and she said well because I'm actually getting money from the government at the moment for two years because she lost her job for two years. She doesn't really need to work very hard, but if she does, she might lose the government money. So it's almost like we're comfortable, you know, sometimes in Switzerland. Again, not everyone, but in the general sense in Switzerland, you can work, you have a really good salary, you can save up and then you can just take it easy. Here in Australia, you gotta work your butt off. And do you think that's a success value? Because yeah. I also lived, we lived with a Serbian woman and she commented the same thing that she felt that Swiss people had a comfort level that she couldn't relate to because she was, she's been hustling for 20 years um, in a corporate job, always sending money back to her family. Like that was her hustle. Um, yeah. How do you rectify that? What's the hustle about? And, and are we getting somewhere with the hustle? I, th I think we are, you know, there, there are two sides. It's almost a bit opposite contrasts again in the Swiss because the Swiss, yeah, they have, you know, it's a bit comfortable and you don't need, really have to hustle. But when you do grow up in Switzerland, the one thing that I have noticed when I, when I moved here for me, it was so easy to get a good job and to get promoted a million times. Why? Because the one thing that the Swiss do have is we work really hard when we are working in a job. We work like head down, bum up. Like when I've got my first job here, I'm like, is nobody working here? Like, am I the only person? Like, are they all on social media and chatting with each other? Like, what's going on? I felt like I'm the only person working. <laughs> and I was in advertising back then. And then, of course, I started to relax, you know, start, stopped working so hard. But it, I felt like, wow. And then I felt like, oh, maybe that's my advantage here. If I start my own business here, which I then did now 10 years ago, if I start my own business and I put my head down in the beginning, I think I'll be okay. And of course, then I was. But then on the other side, if you live in Switzerland and you build your own business, people have generally take a lot of time to launch. You know, Swiss people are smart. Everyone is can be smart, but they, they have ideas. They want to do something. A lot of innovations come out of Switzerland because we have the money to fund it. So they have ideas. But then they spend sometimes months and months to build a business plan before they go out. Why? I don't know. Making it up, but I think it's fear again. Yeah. So talk to me about your book on courage, because this is a good segue, because I want to know your journey of starting the company, because I like that. You thought, if I just take my Swiss hard work and I put my head down, I'll be able to do this. So 
walk me through the journey of starting the company and you'd only ever been a student and an employee, I think, up until that point. So what kind of attitude do you have for unknowns and challenges and failures and struggles? Like, tell me how you approach that. Yeah, you know, the, the trigger that how I got out of my advertising career, I was doing strategy and advertising. The trigger actually was, I always knew inside of me that I even, you know, when I was studying, I always said to people, one day I will run my own company because I'm not very good with authority. I've never been very good with authority, clearly, because I don't like when people tell me what to do because I don't like rules, etc. It's all connected, right? Which is, it's not a bad thing. Uh, like, I'm not upset that I'm like that. <laughs> I think it's not a bad thing. <laughs> you, can you can use anything to your advantage. This is my strength. It's also maybe my weakness, but it's definitely my, my secret power. And so I always knew I was going to do my own thing. I wasn't completely sure what it was. But then when I was working in advertising and doing strategy, I felt that something inside of me didn't feel quite good. And I wasn't sure if it was because I just moved to a new country. I got married. Everything was just like maybe new and I was maybe something was missing. I felt like for the first time in my life, I wasn't this super crazy, happy human. I was still happy enough, but then I, something was missing. So then my father passed 11 years ago from a heart attack at age 58. And it was just, you know, of course, one of the worst, the, the worst event I've ever had in my life. And then that's when I had this question, hey, if I died right now, would I be happy with my life? And the answer was so, so clear. No, I can do so much better. I'm going to spend the next 20 years in an advertising agency and everyone is a little bit pimping around and pretending to be something. No, I can't. I can't. It's not, it's not really my environment. So, so then I started my own business partnering with Christo running Basic Bananas and we had no idea in the beginning how to run a business. I knew marketing, I knew branding, but I had no idea about running a business, but we just did it, you know, just do small things. And I still remember, again, this is a very cool lesson for our listeners that I'd love to share. You know, you, you got to, one of the, my biggest success, keys to success is trust and mainly trust in myself. And then also trust that the universe always gives you exactly what you need. If the business fails, well, maybe I wasn't meant to be doing that business. I did have a different business in the beginning that didn't go super well. It was a communication business. I didn't really put enough energy in it. it just, I, f I felt like this is not where I need to go. I needed to go here because that's what I'm good at. And I remember I had a mentor in the very beginning because I had no idea how to run a business. And the one thing she said, she was a very successful businesswoman. The one thing she said is in the beginning, the name. She's like, basic bananas. Nah, you can't, you can't call a business basic bananas. She said you need to be something a bit more conventional, like Marketing Institute Australia, right? I'm like, nah, definitely not. That's, that's, I know branding. I don't maybe know how to run a business, but I know branding. I'm going to call this business basic bananas. Why could I make this decision? Because I trusted my intuition, my God, I trusted myself that I can. It will take longer probably to build a brand like Basic Bananas, but people will remember it. It's a reflection of, of our spirit, of our essence, and people connect with that. So I think no idea from going, basically having no idea and then always trusting that, it's, that I can do it and putting in the, the work, of course, and just taking the small steps. It's, it, you know, it's, we, we always talk about this, so we don't have need, need to talk about it, but there, there are hardly any overnight successes. You know, now we started in Sydney, it was just two of us, and then we always had this vision, and we had like three people in our first workshop. We run marketing workshops. The first workshop was Crystal's mom, my best friend, and a stranger that would never have bought a thing from us. There was three people. 
in one workshop not a huge success <laughs> really if you think about we need to make money but then the next maybe we have five and then we have 10 and then we have 15 and then we have 20 100 and now we run these workshops in maybe 20 cities around the world obviously not myself now anymore other people but it started with just me running this session for three people okay that was awesome in that the trust underlies that process because I see a lot of people who may take that first step. So there's a melanin element of trust, but then they stop too early. They just, you just said it like, imagine if you gave up when it was Chris's mom and the stranger, because you said, you know what? Nobody's into this. We thought it was a good idea, but nobody else thinks it is. It's like the stories that we create. So what allows you to stay in the game long enough to see the success? Yeah, I can tell exactly that. And before I tell you the secret, <laughs> I want to also share, I see both sides. I see people that give up too early, but I also see people that should give up. Yeah, stay too long. Yeah. Shouldn't give up, but should give up on one idea to do the next one. So I'm seeing both. So sometimes you have an idea or a business and you're just banging your head against the wall. And if you keep banging the same direction, your head will get really sore. So sometimes you need to bang a different way and see if there is a hole in the wall there. So I, I don't mean by giving up, give up, give up. But I mean, sometimes you have to change your idea or just go, you know what? This is a really not a, this is not a good product. You know, it's not a good product or not a good service. I need to do it better, differently, or a new thing. Mm. And then sometimes you do need to just keep going, 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 going. But how do you know? You know, how do you know if you have a bad idea or a good idea? Trust. And of course, you do need to get a little bit of traction. And if people tell you that they're getting value from what you're selling as a business owner, for example, then you know that you have a good thing. Mm. That's cool. And and then what you know what keeps me going for it and and even when we have the struggles which of course we have i mean running a business is a roller coaster and we have different companies now and every one of these companies are on a different trajectory some are going good some are like a little bit maybe in a dump and then they might come back up if we put in the energy but what keeps me going is always that north star it's it's understanding that hey there's this vision but more than that it's can I add value through this business? And if I can add value, my, it's, it's, it's really basically having clarity on my personal mission. And yesterday I was speaking at Singular University and somebody asked me, what's your, what's your mission? What's your personal mission? And I said, right now, and this might change, you know, as, as I go through life, but right now my mission is to add value through entrepreneurship, to solve problems, to solve people's problems, the world's problems through entrepreneurship. Every business that I get in, invested in or that I invest in or that I build, Every single business is solving a problem and adding value, whether that's a human problem or, or an environmental problem, it's solving a problem. And that's what, what keeps me focused on this trajectory, no matter whether we have failure or success. Wow. Love that. Love that. I just, um, oh, I have a whole thing I want to go into there, but, but I won't because I know we're going to have you back because you're launching your book soon. And I had a lot of questions around your creativity, like your, your skill and how you actually bring an idea that inspires you and then you action it. Um, so I think just my last question is, um, you tell this story on your website about moments of humanity. I love, yeah, it's interesting because the moment you coined it, I was like, I love that. So there was something about it that hit me straight away. So what's your method for creating 
taking an idea and creating a brand around it. Oh my God. You, I, I, I feel like you're so, you're so tapped into the universe and like, I don't know what it is about you, but you have this ability to just, you're so perceptive. I think your, your heart is open or something. I don't know something energetic about you. You just tap into things and you see it. I mean, you know, moments of humanity is one example. So how do I, how do I see something and then build something around it? I feel it, but I, I do, I will share the, the lesson with the story of moments of humanity. So moments of humanity came about, it's basically moments of humanity right now is a, a movement to spread kindness. And I get hit by these almost like inspirations that, you know, I have millions of ideas, so do you, so do all of our listeners, but how do you know which one? You know, I have all these ideas, and still right now I have so many ideas, which one am I going to pursue? I feel it in my heart, and with Moments of Humanity, I was basically, and this is for the next podcast maybe, but uh, two years ago I had this best worst idea, because I was going through a little bit of a life change, and I need to question a few things in my, in my life, in my relationship, and so I needed to go away and just think. And so I thought, you know what? I'm just going to ride a motorbike from Switzerland to Kazakhstan along the Silk Road. It's a great idea. Except, you know, <laughs> most people think it's a really bad idea. And it was <laughs> good and it was amazing, actually. But it was also a little dangerous. But on this journey, I realized that why this is so impactful, this journey, is not because so much of the landscapes, which are amazing, or the food or anything. It's the moments between humans and I got my butt saved so many times just by kind strangers I would pull over somewhere maybe I had a flat tire or maybe I was just hungry or thirsty there was always someone to have my back always and it was always a stranger someone I never have met before and will probably never meet after and these moments of humanity are so strong and so I, I felt wow this is what this is all about this is what life is all about really this life is all about the moments between strangers that are so meaningful and and I just felt it in my heart I was actually on a plane back from Colombia where the the words came to me moments of humanity normally on planes for me I have the space I think to think and that's usually where things hit me like inspiration or the muse is visiting me you know and you're normally on in a plane because there's no distraction so it suddenly hit me I'm like moments of humanity and so I knew it I knew this is really good and so then I went home I'm very lucky here. I have an amazing team. I could never do what I'm doing without my team. They, these guys have my back. I just throw, you know, somebody said the other day, he pretty much just nailed it on the head. He said, hit it on the nail on the head or something like that. He said, <laughs> sounded good to me. Something, this is saying. He said, he said, you just throw unicorn bombs. You just throw like <sighs> colors. You, he said, you just, you have this ability to just, you have these unicorn colorful bombs that you throw at people and then you let them do the thing and you let them do it in the way that they want. So with Moments of Humanity, I came back to my office here. I went to my design team and one of my friends who runs the branding agency, I said, hey, I have this idea. Can I talk to you? She's like, yeah. I said, Moments of Humanity, this is what it's about. What do you think? And then they just ran with it. They built the whole brand. I can't take credit. Okay, cool. There's something really big in that lesson. It's not only your ability to trust what you were, the inspiration that was coming, your ability to throw it out, but you have a team. So what that says to me is you're willing to give up control in order for the, the thing to rise, for the thing to grow. And wow, that is, that's, I'm getting like lots of lessons here. So, I mean, again, like the listeners, 
soak this in. There's something emotional, by the way, about moments of humanity. I don't know why, but it's like, there's something really big there. Um, I went onto the side and the face, like I saw all of it already. And there's something really special there. Um, yeah, there's something linking us really deeply. I'm not sure exactly what's going on there about that yet. And I just want to thank you for your openness. You have a very engaging, exciting way of being and that you actually have brands around it. I think is really, it's like people can actually get on this train. Yeah. That you, it, yeah. It, it, again, you, you just nail it so much. And you, you're putting into words what I maybe feel, but never, nobody has ever articulated these things like you do. So yes, it is an invitation. It is a, it, I feel like, you know, my heart is so wide open and there are these invitations to join, whether that is to come to Moments of Humanity to, to spread kindness or to, if you're an ocean lover, you come to ocean lovers and you join some of our beach cleanups, whatever it is, it's, there are different avenues to join the mission people want to. Yeah, it's beautiful and engaging. And I just want to thank you for, you have a lot going on. And so your time, um, I really appreciate it. I have questions. It's funny. We talked about time before the recording, but, and I had something about your philosophy of time. So if you're up for it, when you are launching your book, let's really um, get our listeners on board for that. And let's talk a little bit more about time if you're cool with it. I would love that. Yeah, I would love that. I, I enjoy talking to you. And every time that I do, I learn something new also. And I really appreciate that. So thank you for what you're doing and for you know, this show, I think it's so important and you have this ability to get the best out of people. So thank you for, for everything that you're doing. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community at bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal and participate in weekly lives found only in our private group. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got to rate and review the show. And I know all the podcasts are always asking this. And in the past, I wasn't doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I actually didn't know how to do it. So open your podcast player and click on our show from your library, not the listen now. That's where I was going wrong in the past. So now that you know how to do it, when you go there, make sure you give us a five-star review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to put your fingers on the keys and send us a review. Thanks.